if you haven't had a child grow up in your house or maybe even growing in your house with ADHD or what used to be called ADD, ADHD, Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder, then you certainly know of one because it's it's not uh, all that uncommon to have it. And oftentimes kids grow out of it and sometimes they don't. I know adults with ADHD who have recognized it and try to address it in their own way. And interestingly, there's been a study done on that uh, out at Western, and what they're saying is just 10 minutes of exercise or mindful meditation uh, could help students with attention issues get back on track during their studies. This is uh, from researchers at Western University, and we're going to talk to one in just a moment. I mean, I come from a time, I keep sounding like I'm the old man of the mountains, but things have changed so fast. Uh, if you brought up kids, say, 20 years ago, which is the time frame we're talking about, they just uh, prescribed Ritalin and said, uh, go on your way, young man, you'll be fine. Uh, young lady, more young men, I think. Dr. Barbara Fennessy is a Western University professor, co-author of the study. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, tell me what made you want to do this and uh, how you conducted the study. Absolutely. Yeah, and your preamble was really on point. ADHD is the most common neurodevelopmental disorder that our kids face um, in North America. So, And like you said, predominantly they're just prescribed some sort of pharmaceutical methylphenidate, Ritalin. Um, and interestingly, a lot of the times it's not even effective. And there are kids that are called non-responders and even the ones that it is effective for. It can have a lot of side effects like mood disturbances, sleep disturbances. Um, yeah, you give them Ritalin, they just cry. Yeah. You know, there could be a lot of other, you know, issues that come along with it, and it doesn't even treat the main, you know, inattentive, hyperactive um, issues that you're facing. So we were really interested um, and motivated to find some non-pharmaceutical alternatives, behavioral well, treatments. That it's could, a really good idea. Like the idea of treating the behavior with something that they could do that was not pharmaceutical is a wonderful idea because uh, I, I can tell you without getting um, particularly uh, personal that mm -hmm. this this kind of um, affliction is not something that, whether it's pharmaceutically treated or any other way, it's not an easy thing. And it doesn't go no. away, you know, some magical day the kid wakes up and uh, is an adult and everything is just hunky-dory. It doesn't work that way. You know it. I know it from, you know, very, we have different points of view. You clinically, me uh, as a an adult who had to bring up children or, mm -hmm. or um, be questioned by other people who did. Uh, so you, you've got an, a behavioral treatment that doesn't take an awful lot, and I find it quite fascinating. And mm -hmm. this is why I wanted you to, to get a bit uh, granular about <laughs> what you've done, how you studied it, and how it might translate to regular people out there listening to us. Yeah, absolutely. And you're bringing up really good points. And I, I just want to emphasize that I'm not arguing that these behavioral treatments should completely replace medication. It's supposed to be a supplementary in addition to, you know, if medication does work for your child or if you're an adult and it works for you to some degree, that's great, but it's not the full picture, right? There are other things that you have to incorporate into your lifestyle that can really holistically bring you back, you know, to some sort of healthy baseline. So, what we did in the study was um, we recruited uh, families and children with ADHD from the community, and they came into our lab. 
um, at Western. And they actually, they had to invest a lot of time um, and energy into this study. So we're really grateful for their participation. It shows how much, you know, the families actually care for finding alternatives. And because it was a, a three-week study that they had to invest in. And so they came in once a week for three weeks. And we did what's called a pre-post-test design. And that just means when our kids came into our lab, we did a battery of different tests. We actually called them games <laughs> to make them a little bit less um, scary, but we tested their cognitive function. So, you know, how good they were at paying attention to different things, how good they were at um, inhibiting being distracted, um, their working memory, all these really important cognitive functions that, you know, you need to interact in daily life and you need to learn. So we tested that. We also um, tested their mood. So, you know, how good they were feeling, their self-efficacy, their belief in their abilities to do different things. And then we had them do one of three different things, and they did a different thing on the different three weeks. And so on week one, for 10 minutes, they just did stationary biking. We had them hooked up to um, a stationary bike in the lab, and just for 10 minutes at a moderate pace, we, you know, we kept track of how they were pedaling, so it wasn't anything extreme. You know, they, they had fun um, from, you know, from what we gathered, and just 10 minutes of that. And then after they were done, they hopped off the bike, and they did that same battery of cognitive tests and, and mood and self-efficacy measures. And so we have, you know, the, the data from those pre-post-test measures on the physical activity day. And so we sent them home, they came back the next week, and instead of the biking, they did 10 minutes of mindfulness meditation. So it was just, they got, a, they got headphones, they were hooked up to what's called the Smiling Minds app. Um, it's a free app that you can download on your phone, and there's a 10-minute uh, body scan mindfulness meditation. So it's called the, the Bubble Journey. It's designed specifically for kids 10 to 14 years old, and it just gets them to ground themselves to follow essentially a bubble along um, their body. So they're just really grounded and paying attention to nothing that's going on in their minds, but just really trying to touch base with their physical being. And they do that for 10 minutes. Again, then they did the, the cognitive and emotional measures. And then on the last day when they came in, we wanted to compare these two behavioral interventions to what we call a control group, something where they're not really doing anything to change their behavior. So instead of biking or mindfulness meditation, they just read silently for 10 minutes. They had some kid magazines. And um, what we found really interestingly um, is that just the 10 minutes of the physical activity, the biking really boosted their, their mood, their positive mood and their self-efficacy, their belief belief in their ability to complete those cognitive measures. So they could focus more? They could focus more and they and they really believed in their ability to complete, you know, paying attention, the, the cognitive games that we gave to them, which is really awesome because that really mimics what you can do in the classroom, you know, if you give them just 10 minutes of opportunity to, you know, run around at recess, maybe take them to the gym, just get them out of their chairs, um, out of their desks and do something for 10 minutes, maybe they'll have more self-efficacy and belief in being able to complete those assignments that they're doing in class. 
um, or, you know, at home when they're doing homework. So it really just takes a little bit of time and effort. And for the mindfulness meditation, we found that that had really good effects for their cognitive functioning. So they were better able to pay attention. Their working memory was better. So they were better able to manipulate things in their mind. So that's great um, because mindfulness meditation, which, which I do myself, uh, is probably, arguably anyway, the simplest form of meditation and takes nothing to teach. Exactly. Absolutely. And we're learning a lot more about exactly what mindfulness meditation is. You know, I think there's a lot of different ways that people define it. Some definitions can become convoluted. And so what is the simplest form that we can get kids to do that has really positive benefits? And like you said, this is just 10 minutes of either mindfulness, you know, just grounding yourself, essentially, um, removing your thoughts from your mind and just focusing on your body or just 10 minutes of some kind of physical activity, you know, can have really positive benefits. Well, you know what? It's very useful and and um, very timely that you and your group decided to do this. And I hope that uh, there's material that comes out of your study because it's a simple study with simple results, and mm-hmm. they don't seem very uh, very much uh, capable of uh, withstanding any arguments. So let's hope that they get out to the mainstream, the people who are helping, the, the psychologists of the world, teachers of the world, and that we see more of it because simple exercise and simple meditation, and for that period of time, helping ADHD is a hell of a lot better than having a, a child medicate every single day and be in a mood that is not necessarily his own. Um, Dr. Fennessy, I have to say goodbye at this point because we're out of time, but uh, your time this morning has been most useful. Thank you for it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.